Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What is going on, everybody? Jason Wright here, feeling good. Feeling good and fired up today. Don't know why, but very energetic, very loud, full of excitement. It could have something to do with the fact that it's not 2 a.m., for a change. Um, this is episode number 108, and four episodes ago on 104, I decided to start what I call the Full Access Project. It's just basically bonus material. It's little mini episodes within the main podcast series. I'm doing like two of those a week and then the main show as well, so three a week. And the mini episodes are just me and my iPhone, basically, no editing, no guests, no music. Um, and under 10 minutes, so fairly brief, but it's more of like an audio journal of my, uh, you know, my experience as an entrepreneur and I've got a, a full-time job and two businesses. So life is very, very busy right now. We just bought a second business and, you know, I just feel like there's so much fake crap out there. So, so do you know what? I'm going to do my piece. I'm going to show people all of it and see what happens. So if you haven't checked that out, Check it out, and uh, by looking at the download numbers, looks like people are enjoying that. So it's really quick and easy to check out. So do so. And that kind of transition into something I want to say to you guys today. Um, I don't care what you do for your business. You know, my guest I'm talking to today, he's in the marketing world as well. Great guy. I don't care what you're doing in your business. Be authentic. Be transparent. Do something with meaning. It seems like it's rare. It's hard to find a person that does all three of those well anymore, but I try to do that. I'm really drawn to other people that do the same thing and uh, you get out of the life, you know, this life which you put into it. So think about that. Anyway, um, the guest today is Terry Dean from My Marketing Coach LLC. Great conversation. Um, Terry's got a ton of experience with email marketing and a really cool story. So we will check that out now. What is happening, everybody? I've got another great guest with me this week. I've got Terry Dean. Let me tell you what I know about Terry. Terry is from My Marketing Coach. That's the name of his company. He is obviously a coach, the creator of online courses, an internet marketer himself, an internet lifestyle mentor, and he's been featured on various news outlets like Fox, ABC, and others. Terry, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Awesome. Great to have you. So I would love for you to tell me how you got your start in entrepreneurship. Well, when I, before I came online, I was actually delivering pizzas for Little Caesars for $8 an hour. And this is way back in 1996. And so I've been online now for over 20 years. And back then, I basically, it was the very beginning of the internet. So I heard some rumors about people who were making things work online. And up till then, I had tried to do a lot of things. I had tried door-to-door sales. I had tried direct mail. I had tried network marketing. And none of those things ever worked for me. For example, I worked for a satellite dish company for a period of only two weeks. And that's because during the time I was with them, I sold a grand total of zero with my great lack of selling skills. And so as you could imagine, they didn't keep me very long. 
until mm-hmm. they dropped me off. But I, I heard the internet. And I was like, this is something I can do because this isn't going to require any face-to-face selling. So this is something I could do. So I got online, bought my first PC ever. I went out and used one of the last credit cards I still have room on and bought a PC. And I came online back in the CompuServe days. And I got my start by going around inside the CompuServe forums. And I purchased reprint rights licenses to several self-help VHS videos. See, I'm really dating myself back then. So VHS videos, (laughs) things like uh, Mark Victor Hansen and some other people who wouldn't be as well-known as he is, and started selling those. But basically, my method back then was to visit these forums, be an asset, be a resource, answer some questions, get people to come over to my website where I sold the videos. And that by itself didn't work great until I added another step in between. And that's when I got people to join an email list. So I gave away a free gift that back then was just a PDF, gave away a free gift. And people, actually, it wasn't even a PDF then. It was like an executable file. It would be a PDF today. But I gave away you know, free information product from my website and people join my list. And then I would send out emails at least once a week to that audience. And I would give some value, have an article. I promote one of the videos in each of the emails. And that really was my start was that discovery. And it's kind of funny because we're talking 21 years ago, CompuServe forums, where you could follow the exact same strategy today with Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups depending on the market. So things change online, the methods we use. But the funny thing is the same marketing strategies still work because I still generate the majority of my income from email. Same thing that my clients do. The majority of my clients are generating their money from email as well. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Man, you said some uh, some phrases I haven't heard in a little while. <laughs> CompuServe, VHS. Man, those <laughs> that takes me back. I was uh, I was just thinking back. So I was born in 1981, so I got to. Um, I remember my mom was a court reporter, and I got started with the internet. I remember getting the. You probably remember this, getting the disc in the mail from America Online, um, and just right at the very beginning of it. And you're right. I mean, it's changed so much. So you got involved very early, which is awesome. Very cool. Now, did you use your experience like previously with direct response marketing to kind of have the idea? for giving away the free gift and and doing all the things you were doing? Well, I picked up some of the things from the direct marketing when I had tried direct mail is I found people like Bill Myers and Gary Halbert were like influencers. They didn't have any direct connection to them, but I picked up some of their products and some of their information that I could get low cost and went through it. And Jay Abraham was another one, which people might've heard of, especially Gary Halbert and Jay Abraham. I went through their materials and I basically said, okay, what do they teach that will work online? And I just went through some of the direct mail stuff and said, okay, well, one of the things they do is lead generation. So I tried it online. And basically, you could say that I failed my way to success because I tried all these different things, and that's what worked. And so that's what I focused on. It's it's almost that failure way to success. Try several things, throw, throw a whole bunch of things at the wall, and see what sticks. Be committed to it. Be dedicated to it, and find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Did you find that you had much competition back in those days with doing the same type of stuff? Um, there wasn't a ton of competition back then. Um, but of course there weren't a whole lot of easy way to do find prospects either yeah, back absolutely. then. So, so if you, if you compare today, there's a much bigger audience, probably the biggest difference on the market side today from then is back then where we're more general on the subject. We were more general. Cause you, as I said, I started self-help self-help would be very hard 
to start in today because it would be so competitive. You'd want to become more specialized. Even, for example, if somebody were to come in and teach someone marketing, someone who started today wouldn't want to just teach marketing. They'd want to be very specific. They'd want to be Facebook advertising or even Facebook advertising for e-commerce companies. For example, I have a client right now who does a done-for-you Facebook advertising service just for chiropractors. Mm-hmm. as his primary business. So he's very specialized. So that's a difference that we didn't have nearly as big of an audience. So we were more general back then. Today, you have to be more specific and more specialized. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, how can automation in regards to marketing help with like, you know, the new startup companies? Um, you know, there's a lot of different things you can automate these days, specifically about, um, you know, with email and that type of thing. Uh, how can that help a startup? Well, when you're just starting up, one of the things that I teach everyone, and I'm going to, anyone listen to us, I'm going to tell you the same thing, is focus on your email list. And this is kind of off your question, but I think it needs to be here as well. And that is, you want to build up, you might build up your social media sites. Let's say that you're building up your YouTube presence or your Facebook presence. It doesn't matter. Wherever you're building up and attracting subscribers and customers from, you don't own that. You don't own your YouTube channel. You don't own your Facebook page. They they own that. YouTube does. Facebook does. For what you actually own, you need to bring people to your website, get them on your list. And so I constantly focus, hey, get people on your list. There's a lot of email list managers out there. There's a lot of really good ones. I mean, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft, Aweber. Doesn't, I'm kind of you know tool agnostic. All these tools work well, whichever one that you want to use. And the big thing that you want to do is get people on the list. And one of the things I teach all of my clients to do is you want to basically put together an autoresponder sequence. That means emails that are automatically sent out to every new subscriber. They all get these. You can do what we call broadcasts as well, which is individual ones you broadcast out to everybody. When you write them, everybody gets them. But there's autoresponders, which means everybody gets them in order. They get message one, they get message two, they get message three in order. And I have every one of my clients put together an email sequence that basically introduces what they do. And I even have them put together their origin story in the very beginning, which means the first few emails, they tell their origin story, why they do what they do, how they got here, the problems they faced, and what it means for the customer. We basically put that into a really good story. And we put that over several emails in the beginning of an autoresponder. So when somebody joins your list, they now get a little bit of a personal connection to you while knowing what you do for them. Very, very nice. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, What are your thoughts if somebody has more than one email list? Like say they've got, you know, two different marketing funnels and they've built two different lists. Should they get those merged into one on the backside or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I would need more details. If I was talking to a client specifically, I need more details about how similar these audiences are. Okay. So because everything is focused on the audience themselves, the actual customer avatar, who is you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. So if these two lists come from, if they're the same people, we're going to have the same message to them in the end. What I would do, and I've had many clients do that, is we build out that initial autoresponder sequence. So maybe it might only be like you know three to five messages for the very first one for each of the separate lists. And then we just bring them together. Okay. And we have the list drop together if they're the same audience. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if they're different people, because like, let me give you another example. This sounds more complicated, but it's not actually that difficult if you keep it in mind this way. Um, some of my clients, we don't just give a free gift up front. We do a quiz coming in. Mm -hmm. So we actually ask people questions as they come in and we do that to segment them, to take them in different, like, like just for an example, I have a client who has a golf fitness product. Okay. And he asked people a couple of questions in the beginning to try to determine where, 
you know, they're, they're not getting the strength and the power on their drive or, you know, they're ending up slicing or hooking it. And he's trying to determine what is wrong in their body that's causing this in the first quiz. And then he segments them into different videos. So they, at the very end of it, they opt in and then they get dropped onto a different video that's specifically about the condition to help them. We also, for currently, we, we build those lists separately. When we, when we set up, so you might set up and you might say, you know, when I do this, there's like four different audiences that come out of it. Well, we keep it simple at the very beginning. We make all the emails exactly the same in the beginning. So we write one email autoresponder sequence. Okay. And we just copy it to all four of them. Then we, we keep track of the numbers. And if one of the other audiences is also large coming through, we'll go in and make some edits to those emails for that specific audience. So we make one sequence, but then we segment it if we see the audience is large enough to make it worthwhile. You understand what I'm saying there? So mm-hmm. make it easy in the beginning. So, so I'm basically answering the question, we combine them if it's the same audience. We might segment them and break them up if it's not the same audience. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. Now, it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, I, I, I've seen even in my own business where, you know, I've, I've got two different lists and there may be some overlap, there may not. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. And anybody listening, um, you know, may run into that or they may have that same thing going on as well. So I was really curious. So very helpful. Thank you. Uh, do you feel like email is still as relevant as it once was? So do you think we're still in kind of the golden era for email marketing? It definitely is. See, of all my clients, I had to think about this heavily. I have one client where we don't use email heavily in his business, and that's because he's an auto dealer. He actually is an auto dealer for a Dodge auto dealership. And nobody in their right mind gives their email address to an auto dealer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it um, because they will bug you forever. Oh, yeah. we, we don't use email heavily in his business as much, but every one of my other clients, email is still the primary driver of their sales. Might that change in the future? Yeah, it might change in the future. One additional I'll say that really has changed over the last few years with email is that you don't just want to think about writing for your email. You, you do email, but think about your overall business, which means Let's say that you also have a YouTube channel. Well, you might be taking some of those videos from YouTube, embedding them on your blog, and many of your emails might drive them over to your blog. For example, I have a client who's in tennis, and in tennis, it's obviously a very visual medium. So he has a very active YouTube channel, and many of his emails, not all of his emails, but many of his emails, we actually take people from his email list, we send them to a free video on his blog page, and that's what we're emailing out email out for. Same thing, since you run a podcast, I'm sure some of your emails take them over to your podcast for mm-hmm. a connection, and that's something you want to be doing. So think about how you can mix in multimedia content, different forms of content, but email is still a primary driver of pretty much, you know, the majority of my clients' sales. And kind of what I was thinking about with that is, um, I'm not sure how much you've messed with chatbots, but, you know, chatbots, I don't know if they're if they're here to stay. I don't know if they're here to replace email. I don't know if it's here to supplement email. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, they're not going to replace email. Okay, I'll, I'll take that answer. Either. They might supplement email, and I've seen that a lot from a lot of things. Okay. Is I use a lot of things to supplement email, which is kind of the direction I was going with the video and everything else. Is just think about all the tools you can use here. And as we're talking about all these tools, I do want to caution people not to get overwhelmed with all the tools. They might try to use everything. You can't use everything. Think about it this way. You have email as a primary driver. Build your email list. 
okay? Because this is your audience. And it's interesting, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but there are several stats that I looked at recently because I put it in some of my own emails. And they, they actually showed that even for millennials, millennials preferred to buy from email from companies. That was even surprising to me that the millennials, the youngest audience said that they preferred buying from email over Facebook and other methods of buying. Interesting. Okay. Very and interesting. so for buying email was still the king for this. And let's even talk about the mobile revolution. Everything's slowly moving over to mobile. Mm -hmm. And I say slowly because everyone says it's faster than it really is. But if you look at your stats from your website, look at the stats, especially from buyers, you're still going to see the majority of your buyers, the ones giving you money are on desktop when they purchase. When they purchase, see that's a that's a key statement there. They might be on, they might be getting your emails on their mobile things like that. So with email and anything else you're doing, think about how it looks on mobile. How does your email look on mobile? So a lot of your audience is reading on mobile, but email's still the driver that we're doing here. We just have to take mobile into consideration as we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Very interesting because I'm thinking about my own buying behaviors, and I've definitely. I'm probably 50% mobile and desktop purchasing, so I might be a little bit on the, the front side of that. But it's interesting to say because I can definitely see you read it. Uh, what I'll do sometimes is if I'm on the go and I read something that's interesting, I'll just screenshot it on my phone so then later I'll remember to go back and, and do something or look at it further on desktop as well. So very interesting. Um, with email, and this is an interesting question. Um, maybe the answer somewhere in between, but... So some people will go full automation and never actually broadcast. Other people, you know, send out their blog post every week. And then, you know, some people say, oh, there's no value in the traditional newsletter anymore. It's all about the sequence. What are your thoughts on that? Does that question even make sense? It, it makes sense. And uh, see, I have some clients who, one, one client in specific, he has five years of autoresponders already programmed in. Wow. Okay. So five years. So if you join his list, we have the next five years of autoresponders planned in. We still drop some broadcasts in it place. So I actually have a lot of clients where we use the combination method where we have the autoresponder sequence and then we send out email specific times. For example, even on my own list, I have an email sequence that's pretty long because I've been doing this a long time. And here's a beautiful thing that you could do when you send out a broadcast. Just go back over your broadcast that you've sent out for the last six months. All the ones that perform really well, they had great open rates, click rates, sales rates. Just grab them and stick them back in as autoresponders. So new people get those also. I mean, you build basically an asset that you're building with all these emails that you create with podcasts that you can put back in as autoresponders and reuse them. And in my own email sequence, I have autoresponders programmed for many days of the week, but I don't. Ha I actually have my emails set so that autoresponders don't go out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay, that's because I send out broadcasts on uh, Tuesdays and gotcha. Thursdays. So they're all programmed. They can go any other day except those days. Those are days I send out broadcasts. So I have a mixture of both autoresponders and broadcast. And really, most of my clients do a similar process because I'm all about the internet lifestyle, which means there, at the very beginning, there's a lot of work. for When you're a startup, let's just, let's just be real with everything. There's a lot of work when you're a startup. You don't get to live the internet lifestyle the first year. You don't get to. And by internet lifestyle, I mean you have the freedom to choose when you work, how you work, who you work with. You don't really have that freedom the very first year okay? because you have to build momentum. You're going to need to write all these emails that we're talking about. But over that first year, you're one year in, so you're 12 months in. I would have you go back and we'd look at all the emails that did well. We'd put those into autoresponders. We might decrease the amount of emails that you have to write new each week at that point in time because we have all these that we can reuse. And so that's the way I think about it is you create assets. We reuse all the good, great assets. 
And even as someone with experience, not every one of my emails is a top performer. Surprise, surprise, over two decades of experience, and I still have some emails that only do okay. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't get reused, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. The, the ones who do awesome, those get reused, they get plugged in again, and you end up building these awesome assets. Again, the client who has five years of autoresponders, he's been doing this a long time too. Mm-hmm. Well, my wheels are definitely turning about some things. I know people are listening or, are loving this. This is super rich content, Terry. This is good stuff, man. Um, I would love to get three tips from you for earning more and working less uh, for the people listening. So any way that you can think where, where automation you know, might help out, at least heading down that path. I know it's not quite that simple, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to break the rule just a little bit, <laughs> what you just asked. Don't you hate it when a guest does this? No, nah, no promise, problem at all. I, I promise it'll be good. And that is, instead of three tips, I want to give you one method that works really well because it's something that can really leave and people will remember it well. Okay. I have a little system. When I look at clients, because I work with a lot of clients, and one of the things I do when I look at a client is they ask, they ask me to look at their websites, look at their emails, look at their videos, things like this, and help them spot any conversion cracks, any mistakes that they're making that we can improve their conversion. And so I have a really quick method for doing that. And so instead of three methods, it's, it, has, it has five pieces to it. Okay? And they are, I'm trying to do this quick. That is, we call it the golden glove. And I call it the golden glove because you can just look at your hand and remember these five pieces. And you're always going to have your hand with you. Okay, so you have your hand, you look at the five fingers, the five fingers of the golden glove are desperate problem, unique promise, overwhelming proof, irresistible offer, and a reason to act now. Okay, each of those really quick, what that means is when I look at your webpage, your email, or anything else, I'm going to look to see if you cover all five of these fingers. Okay, and if you miss any of them, you're not going to have the conversion you could have, right? The first one is desperate problem. Desperate problem means do do you call out an audience a specific audience and do you mention a problem they might have are you actually covering a problem that's relevant to them okay the second piece of it is unique promise now not only do you need to make a promise but you need to make a promise that's unique that's different from what the competition's making and there's basically two types of benefits there's what's called a price of entry benefit That's a benefit where everybody in the market offers this. If you were in the weight loss market, a price of entry benefit is you have to actually help people lose weight. (laughs) You can't be in the market unless you help people lose weight. That's a price of entry benefit. Everybody has to offer that. There's also what's called a point of difference benefit. That's what makes you different than the competition. This is how you do it better than the competition. Example in weight loss for unique promise is I have a client who owns a local fine dining restaurant and we offer paleo meal plan, which is they actually cook the meals for you. You come to the restaurant, you purchase the meals for the week, and it, you just follow his plan. You eat the meals that they cooked for you, and you're going to lose weight. Okay. The unique promise there is we call it the paleo low carb meal plan, and you get all your meals cooked by a five star fine dining restaurant. That is a unique promise that also fits the price of entry, which is that you're going to lose weight as you go through it. So, see, you need a unique promise, something that stands out is different from the competition. The third piece is overwhelming proof. Most people have proof hiding disease. And what that means is that they hide the proof somewhere deep on their website. Instead of putting testimonials up front, they put them on page three of the website. You have to click three pages in to get to the testimonial. One of my clients, 
we recently tested this on a website. We were running lots of tests. He pays a lot of money for YouTube and Facebook advertising. So we have a, a big Facebook advertising and YouTube advertising budget. And we tested lots of things on his opt-in landing page. We tested new headlines. We tested videos. We tested all kinds of things. You know what the biggest variable was, the one that gave him the biggest bump? It was moving testimonials up above the fold, right under the headline, even before the opt-in. So he had headline, testimonial, opt-in form. That's what was above the fold that you could see. And then he had other benefits and things below that. That was the biggest variable, the biggest factor. And the testimonial worked extremely well for him because it was perfect customer avatar. It actually matched the customer, the right age. They had the photo of the person, the right age, the right benefit that the person mentioned. That was the biggest factor we had was moving testimonials up. And I've actually now tested that on multiple clients. Moving the testimonials higher on the page above the fold is one of the quickest ways to boost your response. Okay, just gave you a quick tip for everybody here. If you have testimonials on the site, move them up. You know, <laughs> just move them up. You know it's funny about you saying that. Just in the last week, I took them off their own page and moved them to the the main page of my site because that's what gets the most traffic by far. You know, I just it's funny you say that, but I kind of thought to myself, it shouldn't people shouldn't have to work so hard to see those. You know, so proof hiding. You had proof hiding disease. I did. <laughs> so, so, you, you, likely, but if you just follow us here, try moving them up higher on the front page also. Yeah, okay, it's very so, interesting. You got my wheels turning. That's uh, okay. very interesting. Overwhelming proof. Then the, th the fourth piece is irresistible offer. What's the offer? What you know? How do you get people started with your service? Example, a, a client who offers, well, coaches and consultants, I work with a lot of them. Many of them will offer a free you know, consultation, a free discovery call to help you get specific results. And that's okay. The negative being that you pull in a lot of people who are not really qualified leads. So you do that in the beginning to get a lot of people to talk to. But as your business grows, as you're generating a lot of leads, we actually move to an irresistible offer for coaches and consultants where we offer a like a low cost consultation. So instead of doing it free, it might be a $99 call. Let's say that your normal rate is $300 an hour or something. It might be a $99 call for the next 60 minute call. And you're going to be totally focused on them. You're going to help them deliver results. You'll make it fully refundable. If they don't agree that they got 10 times the value, they get their $99 refunded. That's a pretty irresistible offer. And the thing is, when we tested it, that gets rid of all the, the low-quality prospects. So then you have only high-quality prospects coming through with an offer like that. And it's irresistible because it's refundable. It also changes. If, if you do a free call, what do I think is going to happen if I come on a free call? I, th I think I'm going to get sold to. That's what I think. But if you charge, but if you're charging me for this call, you promise me the value of the call. You give me a guarantee on the call. Now I think it's a call that's actually valuable. So you get more qualified. You're not going to get as many calls this way, but they're going to be extremely qualified. You deliver the value at the very end of the call after you've delivered. So if you promised a 50-minute call, the 50 minutes is content. After the 50 minutes, you could mention how they could go on further and how you'll apply the $99 to the next step in the funnel. See, that's an irresistible offer that works really, really well. And I've tested it a bunch of times now. And then finally, a reason to act now is your fifth finger of the golden glove. And that means why should they take action now? What's the limitation? Does this offer end? Uh, a good example of this, I have, when I do a special to my email list, I have what I now call a heart attack curve. The heart attack curve means that you run emails. Let's say that I'm running this special for five days. It ends on Friday. Well, the last time I did this, 51% of my sales came in the last 12 hours. Man. Okay, 51%. <laughs> that means 49% of the sales were the other five and a half days, four and a half days.
and then you had the 51% the last 12 hours, and that's actually pretty common now. I call it the heart attack curve because you, uh, I ended up, I don't do it as much anymore, but the emotions still bug me a little bit. But I used to always complain to my wife day one, this this special didn't work. I really screwed this one up. This offer isn't right. Day two, same thing. Still, we're still not getting sales. And then all of a sudden, you have this huge flood of sales the last day. That's because that's how powerful a deadline is, a reason to act now. And there's a lot of ways you can apply reasons to act now. Um, even like a standpoint, when a client sets up a membership or a continuity, I always tell them to start two price levels below where we want to eventually want to be. So if they want to sell their membership for $29 a month, we might start it at $14.95 a month. The reason is, is so that when we can do a deadline saying, hey, if you want to be in the founders, the founders is only good till this day, $14.95, you get to keep that rate. And then the price is going to $19.95. Then we do the same thing two or three months later. Again, so now we're at the price they really wanted, but we just plugged in a whole bunch of members at the lower prices who end up sticking a long time because if they cancel, they have to come back in at the higher price. Okay, so that's, I call that the double continuity bump. That we, we do that all the time with membership sites, but you can do this type of reason to act now. Why should someone act now? So those are the five fingers of the golden glove, and you can look at any website that's not converting, and I will promise you any website that's not converting is missing one of those five fingers. Very nice. I'm glad you broke my rule because your uh, your explanation there was better than the three tips. You were right. So awesome. <laughs> Very good, man. So much value in this episode. It's overwhelming, but it's the the beauty of it all. It never goes away. So very, very, very good stuff. Uh, do you feel like so? If you think back to '96, do you feel like it's easier or harder today to start a business online? It's it's easier today as long as you become more specialized. Yep. That's the big, that's the big key. As long as you become more specialized, I, it feels, I feel like grandpa now I'm only 44. Okay. But I feel like grandpa, when I say, you know, we had to walk uphill both ways. When, <laughs> when, I, when I first started online, the process credit cards, I had to pay you know a big fee, a big deposit for a credit card machine. I had to take credit cards online and then process them offline, actually manually key them in in 96 when I started and then, you know, deliver the products. We had to, we actually duplicated the products in house. I had, you know, videotape duplicating machines in the house that we went through. And today, you know, we sell digital products using membership sites that automate almost everything. So the whole order price is automated for us today. So automation, email, all these things are a whole lot easier than it was back then. The big, th the hardest thing today is to get noticed, which is why you have to specialize. You cannot go in and do what I did at the beginning, just being general self-help. You have to be specialized. You have to decide who your audience is. And almost any question you would ask me, my first response is, okay, who's the audience? I ask that question all the time. Who's the audience? How can we get more specialized? How can we get to know them tighter? And just to throw in a tip here, I know you work with Facebook, um, some with mm -hmm. your audience. Mm -hmm. And one thing I tell people to do when they're looking at audiences is we look at Amazon. We look at all kinds of things to find our audience. I love Amazon to look at bestsellers. Facebook audience insights over at Facebook slash ads audience insights. I love audience insights for looking into an audience. Um, an example, I have a client that we looked at his marketing. Again, he's generating a lot of leads and sales for his business. And we actually took his customer list, his buyers list. We loaded it into auto into Facebook. And then we brought it up on Audience Insights. And get this, his, while he was advertising to both male and female, 98% of his buyers list was female. Wow. So you can imagine what happens the next day to every one of his ads. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. we, just, we changed every ad to only focus on women. We're only focusing on females. Not only that, but we saw his audience was very conservative women. 
when you looked at the audience insights and the other pages they liked, there were things like Paul Ryan, um, the Donald Trump was there. There was all types of these very conservative publications, which also meant, okay, now when he writes emails to the list, we know we're not going to um, say great things about Hillary Clinton in our emails. We'll say it that way for it, mm-hmm. okay? Because that's what the audience is. Again, don't take anybody, don't, nobody listen to this, think about I'm being political with this. I'm just telling you to know your audience, mm-hmm. okay? Know your audience and what they like when you're writing to them. And there's so many ways we can do that today that we had no clue to do back then. So audience, specialize, know your audience. Whoever knows their audience best wins. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, that's audience insights is a really, really amazing tool. And, and so many people uh, probably have no idea what we're talking about. But seriously, guys, you have to check that out. It's, it doesn't take much time. It's actually really fun. And like you said, there's some big curveballs in there sometimes, some big surprises. So... Excellent stuff. Very, very nice. Well, you've got a lot of really, really good things going on. You've been doing this a while. You're a total pro. Uh, I've learned a ton just talking to you. Sometimes I, I would say one of my favorite things to do is you, I go from host to student so easily doing this, and it's just such a such an awesome opportunity. Um, so I definitely thank you for being here. What's next for you? What do you have on the plate for yourself in the next six months or so? Well, the next six months, I have a pretty heavy focus on my membership and print newsletter. Again, this, this people will think this is weird, but I've now published a print newsletter, a paper and ink that people get in their physical mailboxes for 10 years now. Okay. And over the next six months to a year, my actual goal is to bump up the membership of that even more. It's been running. It's been running about the same level for the last year because I haven't been focused on it as much. So that's my next big focus, to focus on that membership, to grow it, to build out the membership. And what people get out of that is they actually get my best detailed information every month. It's usually about 19 pages. And then in addition to that, they get access to me on a webinar each month. They get access to a members-only forum where they can ask questions about their site, get sites reviewed, things like that. And so that's where I'm going to be focusing heavily over the next year. And I, I do want to give everybody here a gift. And that is if you go over to mymarketingcoach.com, mymarketingcoach.com, I have a free download that will show you the five ways Basically, it shows you actually seven ways, seven unique ways to create profitable emails, even if you're not a writer. So it, it gives it's a tool to help you create better emails. It helps you tell better stories in your emails. It gives you 64 story shortcuts to actually I ask you questions to help you come up with ideas for stories for emails. I give you subject line templates, intro sentences, all kinds of things to help you produce more profitable emails. And you can pick that up for free on mymarketingcoach.com. Very, very nice. I'm actually going to sign up for that as well. I was checking that out before the show. So Awesome. 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 If somebody listening wants to get in touch with you, is that the best way to get in touch with you or what, what's your, what's your recommendation for that? That is the best way to get in touch with me. Here's, here's another real tip for people who are busy. Um, one of the best ways to get in touch with people who are busy online is to join their email list and then to reply to one of their emails that they send you. Absolutely. Because most of us read all of the, all the replies we get. Oh yeah, we do. You, you know, what's funny about you saying this, the timing couldn't be better. So I got a phone call yesterday. You know, I'm I'm 35. I'm the old millennial. I got a phone call, and I just don't answer numbers I don't know. Like, you know, I can remember as a kid the the telemarketers calling the house, and you know, my mom getting so mad and yelling at people at like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, Mom, why are you answering the phone? Like, if you don't want to talk, why answer the phone? And she just couldn't resist. But like, the worst way to get a hold of me is phone calls. So I get a phone call yesterday, and somebody leaves a message. So I'm just kind of curious. And I'm listening to it, and I hear the name. And I was like, wait, I've heard this name today. So I start looking through LinkedIn. I start looking through Facebook. And I was like, okay, I connected this guy on LinkedIn. 
how did he get my number? I don't know. It's not that hard to find info, but I was thinking to myself, like, this is the worst way in the world to get in touch with me. Like, I'm not going to call you back, especially once I figured out why he was calling. But I was like, had he sent me a message through LinkedIn or another messenger platform, I probably would at least talk to him. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting, uh, you know, like you said, and, and email still does get a ton of looks. I mean, people, it's so easy to look at email. Um, but I don't know, just a little funny random story for you. Well, mine's the same way. My actual phone number for my business is a Skype number, which also is hooked into Google Voice to pick up recorded messages because Google Voice, you know, transcribes them and emails them to me. Very so. nice. I need to do that. And it's, let me guess, it's free too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, Google, man, they're they're just the king of great free tools like that. So I need to check that out too. I like that. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Terry, I have really, really enjoyed having you on the show. This has been a phenomenal episode. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. No problem at all. All right, we are back to the show. Terry, thank you for your time. Awesome. I know we recorded a while back, but it's still great material there. So thank you. If you guys want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 108, and that'll take you to the show notes. Any any uh, podcast we've done with a guest, you can use that same formula to get to the show notes. The Full Access Project mini episodes don't have show notes. That's another thing. So they're like super easy to make and push out, but none of that there. Um, next week, kind of excited to say uh, my buddy John Barrett, my other buddy Jared Hamilton, both guys that live local with me, they're very successful entrepreneurs. We're getting together to go unplugged for a podcast, and we're literally not speaking, and we're going to hit play and see what happens. So we did this about a year, year and a half ago. Has such a good time. Probably do a Facebook Live and some things as well. So if we record that next week, it should be out in the next, you know, probably two months or so. Fun stuff. If anybody listening is interested, I'm starting to book guests again. I'm not sure if I told you guys this, but last summer um, I actually recorded something crazy like 30, 40, 50 shows, a lot of shows. So I've been releasing shows for months that have been pre-recorded, and I think I went too far with it. I went so far with it, now I'm like dying to get back on the mic and talk to people. So I haven't had to do that for a while. So if you guys are interested in coming on the show, you're an entrepreneur, you have a cool story, even something different, even if you're not an entrepreneur and it's something different, reach out to me and we'll we'll talk about maybe having you come on. Uh, my email address is inspire at grayfoxbusiness, that's G-R-E-Y dot com, inspire at grayfoxbusiness.com. And Gray Fox Business Ventures is my parent company, Intentionally Inspirational is the main brand you know me by, but that helps you figure all that out. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you. Um, two more episodes coming out this week. They'll be those short mini ones. Check them out. I think you'll love them. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.